John chapter 3. We finished up last week, looking at the last part of chapter 2. Starting this week, starting in verse number 1 of chapter 3. And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, but no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. We'll stop there this morning. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we... Pray that this morning that you'll pour your spirit down upon us, Lord. Our prayer is, is that if there's someone in this building who has not come to the understanding that what is necessary to enter into the kingdom of heaven is that they are born again. If there be someone in this building this morning who's grown cold, if there be someone in this building who is not where they should be, if there's someone in this building who's where they should be, Lord, we still ask that you feed us from the text this morning. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. You've been so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue this our study this morning in the book of John, and I pray that it has been as richly rewarding to you as it has been to me. Last week, we closed out in the end of chapter 2, looking at those three verses that said that there were people who believed in Jesus, but Jesus did not believe in them. As we looked at that, we've seen that these people, they were they were committed to a miracle worker, but they didn't want to commit themselves to the Messiah. They were committed to what he could do. They were not committed to what he was here to do. In chapter 3, we see a man coming forth by the name of Nicodemus, and I enjoy this moment here because the Lord is not going to waste time at getting to any other point besides the greatest need in Nicodemus's life. The Lord will quickly get to the greatest need in each and every one of our lives, and that is the need that we must be born again. If you're ever going to spend eternity in heaven, that is the only requirement. But before we get to this part, we're given information about Nicodemus. Before we get to his name, there is an emphasis placed on his position. The position of this man in verse 1. There was a man 
of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. First, I want you to understand about this man named Nicodemus is that he was a Pharisee. They were a group of separatists. Now, they weren't separatists in the idea that they were separated from the rest of the Jews in isolation from the Jewish community, but they were separatists in the way in which they lived. Um, they were zealots. They were different. They didn't live like the rest of the community. They were zealous about their rituals. They were zealous about the purity of the Mosaic law. They were zealous about the traditions that they had made adding to the Old Testament law. So when the text says here that there was a man of the Pharisees, it is to say that there is a man that's presented to us who was of the strictest in their religion of their day. They were so strict in fear of breaking the Mosaic law, they wouldn't carry more than the weight of a fig, a dried fig in their pocket. They were so strict that in fear of breaking the Sabbath day, that they wouldn't carry more milk than could be swallowed in one gulp. They were so strict that they refused to even tie knots on the Sabbath day. Now, for us, that may sound silly. For some of us, it may sound ridiculous. But the picture I want to paint for you this morning is this man was sold out for what he believed to be right. Now, there's a lot that could be said about that this morning, about people being sold out for what they confess that they believe. Now, here we see that there was this man named Nicodemus, but our text goes on to say that Nicodemus wasn't only a Pharisee, but the last part of verse number one, it says that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Not only was he one who lived the strictest, strictest kind of life, but he was a ruler, meaning that he was a part of the Sanhedrin. Now, to understand the Sanhedrin, there were 70 selected people that ruled over all of the Jews on earth. He not only was a Pharisee, but he was of the Sanhedrin. You know, understand this. In verse number 10, the Lord really gives us the, the painting of how Nicodemus was painted. He said, Jesus answered and said unto them, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? The Lord is further to emphasize here that Nicodemus was one of the teachers of Israel. He was one of the most well-known. He was a man known for his position. He was known by his community. He proclaimed to be a student of the Mosaic Law. He was looked at as a teacher, but he failed to see Jesus as the Messiah. He knew that he was the one who did miracles, and he recognized that him being a miracle worker, he must have been sent from God. He understood that he must have had the power of God, uh, from God, but he didn't understand that this is the long-awaited Messiah. Now let me explain to you that this problem still exists today. This problem troubles America today. There are people, there are religious groups today that you can enter into their building and the highest person in the building, the one whom people look to, the one who people are taught by, has failed to grasp that you must be born again. <clears throat> Just a few weeks ago, 
I was involved in a, um, a um, whatever you want to call it, a meeting. And in this meeting that we went to, it was actually um, a wedding that you went to. And when the wedding, the priest stood up in front of the church and said, listen, uh, and he does the mass. And as he did the mass, he proclaimed that the man had been born again because he had been baptized. Here it is, the highest official in the entire church is standing before all those who gathered in the, in the building and proclaimed that being born again meant that you were baptized. That's not what the Lord is going to present for us this morning, nor is it the point to emphasize on all the religions of the day. The point is to say that there are officials, people who stand to be the voice of the word of God and are the furthest voice from truth. Nicodemus was a man's man when it came to being the Pharisees. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He was the teacher. He was one of the 70 that controlled and taught the right way for all of the Jewish people on earth. And yet the Lord tells him, Nicodemus, you're wrong. Nicodemus, you're not even saved. And this is troublesome even in our lives today. Lost according to the word of God. We, we see that from the times of Christ, even to the times of day, that the people who proclaim false truth, but hear me, it's not about how faithful you are. It's do you know Jesus? It's, it's not about how much scripture you know. It's do you know Jesus? It's not about how others look at you. It's do you know Jesus? The problem today is religion at times can be so blinding to the truth of the, to the true need of the sinner's heart. Religion can be the, the devil's pacifier, so to say to convince the sinner that they are safe from eternity in hell when they are not. So verse 1 tells us about this man named Nicodemus. Verse 2 says, The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, there is much debate put before us why Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Some say that it was whether or not that he was in fear that others would see him going to Jesus. Some say that it was traditional that Pharisees would gather in the evening to study the Mosaic Law. Others say because it paints a perfect portrait of what it is like for the unbeliever who is without Christ. They are in darkness, in darkness without Jesus came. Nic Nicodemus came to Jesus in darkness. It was certainly physically dark, but it was also spiritually dark for the life of Nicodemus. In verse number two, I believe it was a state of earnestness. It was this earnest desire. It was a, a heart of looking for understanding. What does all of these miracles mean? Notice what he says. Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. First notice <clears throat> the respected address, Rabbi. Here is one of the highest rulers in the land. But look, one of the highest rulers in the land is looking to Jesus, believing that Jesus could teach him something. 
Here he is coming to the Lord. I guess you could summarize the, uh, this part of verse number two with Nicodemus saying, Lord, I know that you're a teacher from God because of these miracles. So definitely when God is with you, but teach me what all these miracles is about. Why are you here doing them? What is the purpose of all of this? And in verse number three, the Lord would tell Nicodemus his greatest need. The Lord would not waste any time. Notice the abrupt change from verse number two to verse number three. Nicodemus is here looking for an answer. Lord, explain these miracles to me. Explain why you're here doing them. In verse number three, the Lord says, Nicodemus, let me tell you what I'm here to teach. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Imagine the earth-shattering news that Nicodemus just heard. Nicodemus, the Lord tells him in this one short verse in verse number three, Nicodemus, that mosaic law that you've given your life to study you, the study, that's not going to get you into the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus, being a part of the Sanhedrin, is not going to get you into heaven. Being a teacher of the Old Testament is not going to get you into heaven. All those days of going thirsty on the Sabbath day is not going to get you into heaven. Teaching men traditions is not going to get you into heaven. Nicodemus, you must be born again. This was the greatest need of Nicodemus' life. But could you imagine what was going through Nicodemus' mind when he heard this? All of these things that he had done up to this point in his life, Nicodemus believed that was going to get him into heaven. Understand the, the, the brevity of this false hope. This is what he believed. I'm doing all of these things. And he was doing all of these things, not so that he could be the man's man, not so that he could be praised amongst people in the land. He did all of these things because he believed it gained him access to heaven. But the Lord would tell Nicodemus, you are without hope in this world and in desperate need to be born again. Now, I'll go on to say that Nicodemus had a partial understanding of what the Lord had offered to him here. One commentator said that it was said of the rabbis when a proselyte, meaning someone who was outside of the Jewish faith, would embrace the Jewish faith, he was like a newborn child. That all things would be, would be thought to be completely new and that all connections would be destroyed. When Nicodemus heard Jesus' words, he knew what he was saying. So Nicodemus saith unto him, in verse number four, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter, in, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, understand this statement. At times when you first read it, you almost feel like Nicodemus is playing a game, but it's really not. This is really the yearning of Nicodemus' heart. He wants to go to heaven. He wants to spend eternity in the kingdom of God. He's just trying to reason out this information that he must be born again. So when he asked the Lord, you know, what am I supposed to do now that I'm old? Am I supposed to go into my mother's womb again? How is this even possible? He is rationalizing what it must take with a yearning heart. Give me explanation that I may spend eternity in the kingdom of 
of God. This was the yearning. It could be summarized that in verse 4 that this is what he wanted was to be with the Lord, but he didn't understand how it worked. You may be here this morning and have a desire to spend eternity in heaven. You may be here this morning and have the desire to spend eternity in the kingdom of God. Well, good news. Verse number five, Jesus will go on to elaborate how it is that wicked man can be made righteous before God and spend eternity in heaven. Look at verse number five. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now I want to recall in our studies back to chapter 1 in the 24th verse, if we can remember back in that time when we get there, remember when there was one sent from the Pharisees, verse 24 says in chapter 1, there was one sent from the Pharisees to investigate what in the world John the Baptist was doing. When they arrived there, they asked John the Baptist, they said, are you, are you, one of, are you the prophets? No, I'm not the prophet. Are, are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Are you the one who is um, the prophet that Moses told us about? No, I'm not the one that Moses told you about. But then he would go on to elaborate that he was baptizing with the baptism of repentance. These were people who came to the understanding and the understanding that they were in sin. Yet in this moment, John the Baptist would go on to proclaim that, behold, the Lamb of God was taken away the sins of the world, that there was one amongst them that they knew not of. But there was this baptism that I want to zone in on, hone in on, this baptism of repentance. Even more, again in our text, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, this is not to draw emphasis to the fact that you have to go into water to be saved. It is in connection with chapter 1, that there was a baptism of repentance that was going on. You see, the Nicodemus was already a Pharisee. The Pharisees sent the investigator to John the Baptist to figure out why they were even baptizing. The, the news came back. It was a baptism of repentance. So when he says here that one must be born of the water and of the spirit, it is to say that in order to be born again, one must come to the understanding that they are in sin. They must repent of their sin. This is this baptism of water. And then even more, they must be born of the Spirit. And that birth has come through faith alone. So it is repentance and faith. What the Lord is teaching Nicodemus here, in order for you to be born again, you must repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we still practice baptism today according to Scripture, but it doesn't save. It is simply an outward sign of an inward change. It is a public confession of an internal reality that we recognize that we are in sin. But it is also a confession that there is new life in us through Christ. And that's what he says, born again. This is a statement that is uniquely belongs to Christianity. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, 
all things are become new. This is what the Lord is teaching Nicodemus. You must be born again. Born again. Now, I can tell you that December 27th, even December 28th morning, and even December 29th morning, I looked exactly the same. I had the same birthmarks, the same ugly face, but the difference between December 28th and December 29th was at 10.30 at night, I repented of my sins and placed my faith in Christ, and I was born again. It was of the Spirit. It wasn't of the flesh. The outlook's the same. It still has some of the same struggles, still some of the same desires, but there was an inward man that was made anew. Verses 6 and 7 here, he reasons this out with Nicodemus about this new birth, this new life. He says, Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Nicodemus, stop trying to reason out in your mind about how you could possibly go into your mother's womb again. What, else, what has to do with the flesh is of the flesh. I'm here to teach you about the matters of the spirit. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Nicodemus, stop marveling at this. You're making it something that it's not. I'm speaking of a spiritual matter that is before you. Now, in verse number eight, I can really just I can feel the scene, so to say. I mean, kind of put yourself in this situation. It's dark. It's late at night. And as it's dark and late at night and Nicodemus comes to the Lord and as they're exchanging in this conversation, the Lord tells Nicodemus, the wind bloweth where it listeth and thou hearest the sound thereof. But, cannot, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I can just imagine the amazingness of this exchange. They're standing there. Nicodemus is talking to the Lord. The way I envision this verse number 8 as they're speaking, the wind is blowing. Their garments are probably moving in the dark of night. The wind is hitting their face. And the Lord looks at Nicodemus and he says, and says Nicodemus, you, you, you feel the wind? Yeah, I feel the wind. You see the wind moving your garments? I see the wind moving my garments. But Nicodemus, you can't even tell where the wind is coming from. And you can't tell where the wind is going. Yet you can feel it. You can see it. You're experiencing it in your life. Nicodemus says, yeah, Lord, I, I, yes, Rabbi, yes, I, I, that's exactly right. I can't see it. I don't know where it's going, but I feel it hitting me. The night the Lord saved me, the Holy Spirit, no one could tell that the Holy Spirit came into my house. But I can tell you standing here today that the experience of the Holy Spirit moving in my life is made manifest today. Now, this isn't to promote me or to lift me up, but what I'm trying to tell you, the things that Danny Holt did on December 28, 2008, he was not doing on the 29th. There was no flag that went outside the house and said the Holy Spirit has arrived here. But there was manifestations that the Spirit had moved in my life by how people seen that I began to behave. Verse number eight. 
says, the wind bloweth where it listeth, meaning the wind blows wherever it will. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. But notice this. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I fear one of the greatest inconveniences in our land, one of the greatest problems of why America is not experiencing revival is because there are so many people who are professing that they have experienced the Spirit move in their life. And yet, no one can feel the effects of the Spirit moving in their life, and no one can see a change. In the same manner that Nicodemus felt the wind hit his face, the Lord summarized that feeling with saying, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Meaning that everyone that is born of the Spirit, those who are standing around them, not in that moment, not falling over in a building, but from that moment forward when the Spirit moves, people should be able to experience the Spirit moving in our lives. How did that happen? I don't know. I once was blind, but now I see. How did it happen in my life? That night, I don't know. It's how to perfectly explain it to you. It was in the middle of a Seinfeld series I was watching. And for the first time in my life, I realized all those sermons I heard in my entire life actually applied to me. It was the first time in my life that I realized if I didn't repent of my sins and make things right, that I was going to spend eternity in a place called hell. And when the Spirit moved, I felt it in my life and responded and placed my faith in Him. And it's been all the difference in my life. This is what the Lord is teaching Nicodemus. Nicodemus, listen, Nic Nicodemus, this is not about this is not about all the things that you've done in your life. Nicodemus, I don't want to explain to you all the miracles. You want to learn from me? Let me give you the most valuable lesson that I can give you. I love that he starts off in the beginning of his ministry, getting straight to the business. It might be good at times if we take a lesson from the Lord and just get straight to the business. He gets straight to the heart of the matter, and the heart of the matter is the heart of Nicodemus. So I ask all of ourselves today, this is the great challenge in the book of John. But if we say that the Spirit has moved in our lives, I ask you to search your heart. Say to myself, okay, the Spirit, I confess, the Spirit has moved in my life. Well, where is it evident? Where do other people see that the Spirit has moved? Where do people see that your garment has been disrupted? Is it in your speech? It is in your worship? Is it in your commitment? Is it in your witness? Where can people see that the Spirit has moved in your life? We can't tell from whence the Spirit came the day the Lord saved us. We can't tell where he went after to save someone else. 
But we can say this, that ever since that day, we've been different. Now, I believe that this exchange, it only gets better. There's no way we could possibly move on to the next verses. But I do believe that by the time you get to, I think it's John chapter 19 and verses 58 and 59, I love it. When they go to take the body down off the cross, who do we find there? Nicodemus. When you get to John chapter 7, who do you find defending the reality that the Messiah was coming out of Galilee? It was Nicodemus. <laughs> this encounter with Jesus Christ changed everything in Nicodemus's life. Everything that he committed himself to. Everything that he invested. Imagine investing your entire life to become a Pharisee. I mean, Nicodemus wasn't some 20-year-old man. He had committed his entire life. He was so wisely looked upon that he was one of the 70 that ruled all of Jerusalem. Yet, what his faith in Jesus Christ, what he's seen in Jesus Christ, was worth leaving all of that behind to follow him. And what I'm saying to you, if you ever had a true encounter with Jesus Christ, you would be more than happy to leave all the things of your life behind and wholeheartedly follow after him. And you will experience that when you get what it means to be born again. You must be born again. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for your word. We give thanks to you for the challenge in your word. Lord, may we see clearly the reality of the greatest need in our life is to be born again. Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, that you will do your work and save those who are without you, not even in this building here, but in the building next door and in all of your churches across this nation, Lord. I want to see revival again. I want to experience revival even in my own life. We give thanks to you, Lord, for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.